We recording KP? Man, we are recording, guys. We are here. Project Mindset, episode 37. I'm your host, Kevin Sturdivant, aka Coach Kevion. And if this is your first time listening, man, you should go back and like listen to the other the other 37 episodes but we are in the seven equities series right now Uh, the seven equities is like the foundation of the work that we do here at project mindset it's our our beliefs in and how you create ultimate abundance which is not just what your career is and the money you have in the bank it's a full balance in all seven areas what are the seven areas First of all, mindset, health, your soul, your family, your friends, your hustle, and money. And right now, we are in the family equity. Family. This is the equity right here. This is really that first equity where you start to look outside of yourself. You know, we covered mindset, health, and soul first because I just believe that you've got to be good with yourself. You've got to put that oxygen mask on you first in order to truly be there for the people you love and you care about the most, your family. So it was not hard for me to think about who I really wanted to interview. And just so you guys know, for this equity, there's two episodes. First is my dude, the man, the myth, Chef Michael K. The Keshishian family, based out of Glendale, but impacting the world globally. You guys, it, it's so crazy because once you meet Michael, you'll probably realize that if not him or his father Alex or his mother Mary or his sister Noni and any of the different businesses that they run together from their home inspection company to their catering company to their vertigo event space that they have. This family, the Kestishian legendary family, are truly one of the most dynamic group of individuals I've ever met. I have never seen a business and family dynamic work together the way they do. Uh, whether you also mix business and family or your actual business feels like a family, I really think that that you're going to take away some gems of just how to connect with people on a deep level. Uh, Michael's running all kinds of different businesses, and a lot of the people in his business are are, are not his, his blood family members, but he has created a way where there is this sense of family in every single one of the businesses he runs. So without further ado, let's take some time. Meet my good friend, Chef Michael K. But yeah, welcome to Shock Tank, brother. Um, and I'd just like to say welcome to the family, even though you've been a part of the family um, you know, from the beginning. Yeah, man. I really appreciate that. From the first time we met, we met, dude, we met like 13 years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we've stayed in touch. You, you you came through in, in, in the clutch for our Christmas party a few years back. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, hey, can you mind saying a couple words? And you dropped this speech where I'm like, okay, well, I guess forever after that, I'm going to have to think a little bit more about what I say to my team because you really, really set it off. And you've just been an incredible person in, in, in my life. And 
you know, when I would watch those videos of you and your grandma, it really brought me like I, I could sense the closeness within family. And so when I thought about this episode, which is about family, you're the first person that came to mind. That's a huge honor, my brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, man. So give me the scope of the whole family biz operation. For sure. So um, we are immigrants from Armenia. Uh, my mom actually has Greek Cypriot uh, descent. But when my folks came here, they met here, they got married, they were in their 20s. And I was the first born in 1983. And for the first, I'd say, 10 years, it was just like work, odd jobs, you know, learn the language. Yeah. So, but my dad came uh, with a degree as an engineer. And my mom has a degree in being like an angel in a past life. Right. So that came in handy for her, you know. And together they just started to figure out how they were going to take care of my sister and I in Hollywood. And so my mom was uh, advised to go into real estate because of her character. And, they, you know, she was told that it's a great market for someone who has personality and that she'd be great at it. So she became a real estate agent while she was teaching in school and working at a, in a lunch truck. Um, and then my dad, who was an engineer, went and found like a job working for a, um, an air conditioning compressor company. And in 1994, my aunt, my mom's sister, had bought a property and had an inspector come out to their property yeah. and was like, dude, my brother-in-law is way smarter than this guy. Right. And he just walked around, took some photos and wrote some notes and he charged us $200. Yeah. So my aunt called my mom and was like, look, like, we should really consider getting Alex into inspections. And you know, he was working a nine to five and you know, like, um, even though it was paying the bills, you know, um, like it, it wasn't fulfilling to him and right. not, neither for my mother. So my mom was a realtor and uh, my mom and dad decided that they were going to start a property inspection thing. You know, you can't even call it a property inspection company at that time because right. like, hey, you, you go do inspections. Exactly. Um, and the idea was that my mom would go and feed like Greek food to the real estate offices because she was a great cook and, and um, my dad would go do the inspections and I would type up the inspection reports. And at that time, your mom was a top producing agent. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. was a realtor doing really well. And I got to hear from her personally just right now up at the house, the castle, of <laughs> what her mindset was like at that time in, in the culture of, you know, my husband wants to do this thing, let me support him. Totally. Even though she was his top producing agent. Totally, and that's how like business and family intertwined, you know? Because a lot of people, they look at business and they say, oh, family business, that means that relatives are working together. Um, it, th that's the format of it, but through it are so many different beautiful challenges of, of, of sacrifice and faith and yeah. trust. And, um, you know, the idea of a man and a woman, and my, my mom proved that to us in a way where she was willing to take a pay cut, a status cut, and go from being a realtor to now having to, you know, essentially like beg realtors for business. Right. Serving lunch. So yeah, serving them lunch, feeding them, hoping that they would in return um, develop the trust to hire us to do property inspections. And my dad would go do the inspections. He would come back home. I'd already be out of school. And I remember when my mom, my mom and dad knocked on my door. I was watching the L.A. Kings. Like, hey, son, we have an idea. Like, would you be okay with us having you type up property inspection reports right. for dad? I'm like, sure. How, how old are you? I was 12. Okay. Um, so my answer was always yes to anything yeah. my parents said because they were just so good at sandwiching requests. Um, and then before you knew it, my dad was doing inspections. My mom was going out, passing out flyers and business cards and feeding people. And at nighttime, we would be cooking at home. So we would all be cooking. I would finish the inspection report. We would celebrate another accomplishment, you know. 
Uh, and then we just kept doing that over and over and over. Yeah. And then before you knew it, we had multiple inspectors. And then over time, we actually became a legitimate property inspection firm. But till today, dad still does inspections. He does like the bigger ones in the hotels and the yeah. shopping centers now, trains all the inspectors. And my mom still takes food to the real estate offices. Um, I remember my very first deal, it was like at, at a larger price, right? It was actually 2012 and it was a two and a half million dollar home. Uh, representing my buddy Nick Diamond and I called you I'm like dude this is an important one you know, I can't mess around I need this inspection to be super 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 on point your dad showed up yep it was incredible yep the Messiah yeah. and uh -huh. how many uh, what has that grown to how many inspections will you guys do this year you think um like probably between three to four thousand a year insane yeah between wow. three to four thousand years so that's business one mm -hmm. advanced group mm -hmm. right that's a property inspection company mm -hmm. what's the other business so while mom was cooking you know we would cook with her and um you know i developed like this infatuation for making relationships through food you know yeah like the only thing i saw i'm like right. wow we were living in an apartment and now we're living in a house because right. mom made a bunch of food and people ate it and they loved it and now they're willing to give us business so that just was programmed into me that that food is a is a mechanism, you know. Wow. So I developed this really like intrigue with the idea not of food like the flavor profile of food, which is obviously a part of it, but the idea of a food as a magnet and dining experiences. So after I finished my education and did like the whole like you know like I was the first male born in the country, right. so I had to. Well, I was the second male behind Aaron Hakimian, who's also a mutual friend of ours, my older cousin. But yeah. um, so I, I knew I was going to go to university and I knew I had to get good grades. That was just like a part of my responsibility for all the stuff that they went through traveling five countries over 30 years, wow. leaving communist countries and coming here with nothing. Like we all knew that like we had to go to school. Wow. You know? And it, it was something that we did gladly, you know. Um, so after I finished this, with school, I had the option of either going to law school or I wanted to get my JD M MBA from the um, UPenn uh, Wharton School of Business, which okay. is a super exciting thing to be a, have, have that opportunity. Or I can uh, pick a different path, and I decided that I wanted to dedicate my life to bringing people together through food. Wow. So I went to culinary school, and then soon thereafter, I started my catering company with my sister, coincidentally, right? Amazing. So um, mom and dad had the property inspection company. We were heavily involved. I went to culinary school, and then I came out, and you know, um, versus going and working for somebody, I just had the ambition to be like, well, if my mom and dad could do it, then I'm sure I could figure it out too, right. you know? And then we started a catering company, and soon we became ranked one of the top catering companies in the city. We were ranked as the top catering company for a while, and that gave us huge opportunities. And then before you knew it, you know, we opened up our first restaurant, and then we finally bought um, our first events facility. And um, so now we have the catering company, we have the events facility where um, we hosted uh, Liz's, yeah. Liz's event recently, um, and, um, and now the event we facility for uh, anybody who hasn't seen it, look up Vertigo. Vertigo, uh -huh. yeah, it's insane, beautiful space, and you guys, how many how many different events a year do you do there? We probably do two hundred a year. Yeah, uh, and and so Vertigo was a huge opportunity that also involved like you know speaking of family, so. The way we were able to do Vertigo wasn't just because we were sitting on a giant load of cash. Um, five families came together in trusting my sister and I and being able to reinvent the the event venue game in town. Dude, you know, crazy. because like it's a huge project. 20, yeah. 20,000 square feet, five different spaces, um, and so like 
the family vibe extended out into extended family. And now like the five of us, like, you know, we're like all a bunch of cousins and aunts and, and we operate this business together. So we practiced doing business with blood and then we extended beyond that with vertigo. And I loved what Liz had to say when uh, we did that last event there. She's just like, you know, where else could I do it? You can just feel the love in the building through the people that are there. So we have the proper, we have the property inspection company, uh -huh. catering business, uh -huh. event space, uh -huh. right? And it's all, how many family members are involved with all that? Um, Blood-wise, probably 15. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 15 to 20. And that's not even fully covering where we're sitting in right, right now. now. Yeah, yeah. So give us, give the listeners uh, a breakdown of what this space is that we're sitting yeah. in right now. <laughs> so, um, you know, the family house kind of ran as church and hotel. Yeah. You know, and um, so we all live there. And then our cousins and, and family members that wanted to join into the business would end up living with us. And it was just like, this really interesting real world Armenian household experience, <laughs> entrepreneur Los Angeles so like, awesome. seasoning, you know? Um, but we always knew at some point in time that my sister and I were gonna venture off into developing our own version of what mom and dad had created for the rest of the community, you know, to continue the cause. So mom and dad gifted us with this building that we're in now. Wow. Uh, it, was, it was previously a six unit mixed, um, mixed use building that yeah. had like, this was a photo studio, Next door was uh, like an herbal life location. Upstairs was a law office. Now we had some elderly that were living in the singles in the back. And then over time, they just like gave us one unit at a time. And we're like, hey, like if we give you this unit, what would you do? And we're like, okay, we would do this, you know? And then we built it and we did it and we cleaned it up and we, we found a way of incorporating all the businesses. So we HQ'd everything out of here. Wow. So the inspection company, the catering company, the venue, we all ran them from here. And then eventually the team just ended up growing and growing. So we took over the entire property and we all moved in and converted all the units into work lives with different types of art capacities with the idea of this becoming a shared artist collaboratory. And this is insane, right? Like, this is like a next level Disneyland of just awesomeness. But it's all family. Mm -hmm. What does family mean to you? You know, family to, to me means uh, sacrifice. You know, like that's, I think that's the secret sauce that I've been so lucky to be able to participate in is, is learning how to sacrifice things for the greater good of others. And, you know, when it comes to family, like it's the first chance you have to do that, you know, because right. like they're, they're around you, you initially, before they annoy the heck out of you, care about them more than anybody else, yeah. you know, and we all have different stories about how we've gone about, you know, germinating the relationships with our families. But for me specifically, Seeing an example of my mom sacrifice so much to be able to coexist with my dad because she believed that it was more important for the kids to be a part of a healthy household than for her to have all of her dreams in a husband. Wow. And vice versa. So, you know, it's like my mom was the dream woman perfectly shaped yeah. and characterized for my dad. She had a lot of great characteristics, but there were certain things about her that if they wanted to put a magnifying glass on, could have easily resulted in them getting into arguments that would result in divorce, for example, yeah. you know? Um, and I was witnessing that as a kid being like, oh wow, like mom's willing to reshape her life to be able to work with dad and dad's doing the same thing for her. And now they're together trying to do the same thing for us. 
So that was step one. It's like if you don't learn how to sacrifice something that's even a dream of yours, you know, wow. then, then there's no way of being able to take the plunge and being able to have a really, really fluid relationship with a family member. That's so, beautiful, so, man. so that, that, that's what family means to me is, is, the, is the playing ground for sacrifice, you know? And then with sacrifice, you know, because sacrifice is an action, but patience is the connector to sacrifice. So it's like you start by agreeing you're going to sacrifice something. You mentally tell yourself that, okay, so to be able to have a, a fruitful relationship with this person, I have to be able to put this aside. Yeah. That's the decision. So the actual journey is where patience comes in because you're going to be tested so much to question whether that was even worth it. Now right. you're looking in the mirror and saying, like, what, am I shape-shifting who I am just to be able to make this relationship work? I was born alone, I'll die alone, right? right. You know, when people say I was born alone, I'm like, you weren't born alone, brother. Yeah. We, we had a video camera. <laughs> you did not fly out of a vortex. Yeah. Okay, there was a human being there, and there was a few of them trying to help right. you survive, too. So you, you don't, you don't, you're not born alone, and you don't die alone. So I don't, I don't believe in that. Um, so that then you can throw it out the window. You can't allow yourself to resort back to that being your motivating factor as to why sacrifice is not necessary. Mm. Sacrifice is necessary. It's built into our DNA. It's wh whoever, whatever made uh, our species and all the other species, you know, organized it that way. So I'm going to go with that, you know. But it's the patience is the harder part. Because, you know, if you pull someone aside on the street, take like just have a random kid walking down the yeah. street and say, hey, um, you have any dreams? They'll paint you a picture of a glorious life. Most people can paint a dream. Right, the, yeah. the, the challenge is not painting the dream. The challenge is understanding what it takes to architect that. And what I learned through my family is it's um, uh, connecting yourself to the idea of sacrifice and then practicing patience. And throughout that process, um, the third strategy is then being able to pivot and adjust so that you divide and conquer. You know, mm. a lot of times people say that, you know, um, oh, you know, the, I have trouble communicating with my family members. That's why, you know, we're not being able to, um, to fix things. Right. You know, and I said, okay, so what are you doing to fix that? Oh, we just keep getting into arguments. Like sometimes fixing communication means talking less, bro. Mm. You know, we, we don't just talk our way through everything, you know? So that's where, like, that's how we built that. It's like, okay, cool, we're all gonna sacrifice for each other, we're committed to each other, we're gonna be patient during this process. And then while we're moving, if we realize, yo, you're better at this, I'm right. better at this, like we divide and conquer, you know, versus trying to change, you know? But damn, think about that recipe, right? If yeah. we just reflect on that recipe. So for one, um, uh, first and foremost, what you said is the sacrifice, mm -hmm. right? Step two is patience. And step three is pivoting. Mm -hmm. And by pivot, you mean adjusting. Adjusting the plan. To their or really adjusting your plan. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like in, in listening to someone else's. Mm -hmm. Man, that's incredible. Growing up, did you have any battles with that that you could remember? Or were you like, I'm all in. I saw what mom did. It's, uh, no, I'm in. No, it's, I'm just going to follow it. That's a great question. It's a constant battle. Yeah. It's, I had that battle this morning. Right. My mom called me and asked me to do something where I was like, yo, mom, I don't think I'm the right person to do this. Right. Maybe we should tell dad. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm like, yeah, I know you're on the phone with me right now and it's really convenient, but I have these and these reasons why I think I shouldn't be the one doing this. Right. Let's call dad. Oh, she's like, okay, you're right. Then she calls dad and texts me it's taken care of. Heart. Heart back. You know? Beautiful, man. So, Beautiful. so I, I, you know, the bird's eye view of life is what answers all the questions. Yeah. You know? And you just look at it from the top and you're like, okay, cool. There are no intermissions. Sleep doesn't mean you turned off. Right. You know? Learning what, what, what the, the role that sleep plays in life and dreams helps you realize that you're always on. We're always in battle. We're always fragile. 
there's never a point in your life where your body is not susceptible to pain or to disease or like, so like, why would relationships function differently than the human body, you know? So it's like, yeah, did I have battles? Yeah, I have them right now. But I use the same ingredients, the same recipe to fix them. It's like, come from a place of being willing to sacrifice. Walk yeah. into a conversation knowing that I might have to give in. Cool, all right, I'm ready to give in. What am I gonna give in? Yeah. Okay, is, this, is it a strategic give in? Like, is it because it's better for the master plan? All right, cool. We talk it out, we plan it out, we divide and conquer and we move forward. And if for whatever reason, the plan doesn't work, it's all good. We don't dwell <laughs> on the past. Where are we at now? And we move forward, you know? This guy's like my favorite person, dude. <laughs> There's my favorite guy right here. Come on. I'll take that, brother. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you any questions. I'm just going to chill here and let you just rap. So how about some of this, the principles? and What do you think are some of the core principles that kept the, the, the family bond so strong? I mean, I heard those three, and I mm -hmm. love that. Mm -hmm. Are there any other principles that you think you're, you're you know, Mother Mary, my gosh, and, and, and Alex really taught you or really embraced that they then taught you? You know, I would say um, yes, and there are many of them, and I haven't spent the time to write them down and turn them into a codex yet, but the idea of manifestation has been one of our core principles. Really? Yeah. So now you're so, talking my language. So, so... Let me show you one example of how we were taught to manifest things okay. and then have the actual effects of that work as evidence for us to marry that ideology. Let's go. So my sister and I, um, raised in the same house, um, we uh, offer uh, different genitalia to the world. And for that reason, you know, we're similar, but we're different. And then we're different age and our DNAs are not the exact same, right? right? So we, even in this loving environment, butt, butted heads a lot. Yeah. So... Classic kid fights, you know, right. from the most basic remedial stuff, like a toy or a drink, or I spilled something on her. Yep. To something that's more complex to like, oh, I want to live in that room, or no, that's my, right? Um, and my mom always took the same exact approach to how she would resolve this. Mm. She would allow us to have a conversation together first to see if we can figure out the problem. She would then come and play moderator, hearing both sides of the story. Yeah. She would always find value in each of our arguments. And then she would say, but the best thing about this situation, guys, is that this is gonna be an opportunity for us to grow tighter. And I know 100% after this, you guys are gonna be better friends. Come on, mom. And then we were just like, no we just got into a huge fight. <laughs> I hate her. She hates me. Yeah. And you're trying to explain to me now that we're gonna be better friends because of this? Right. And then she would be like, just watch. You two are gonna be the best friends on earth. You're not gonna be able to separate from each other. You're gonna share everything with each other. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And then the, before you know it, that's exactly what happened. And she would be like, and she wouldn't, she wouldn't like be like, oh, I'm not gonna bring it up. It just happened. She would right. say, hey, do you remember when I kept telling you? Well, why do you think you guys are such great friends? Because you think you just have the right personalities? Right, no, it's because yeah. I told you so many times you are that now you have no other choice and you found a way of making it happen. So that principle of manifestation just became the glue anytime we were in a really big bind, mm. you know? And my mom, you know, Dad, G, gangster, like a rock solid man. Um, perfect, you know, compliment to this ideology and being able to just sit back and trust my mom, right. even though that's not the way he was raised, yeah. right? Um, my mom would just keep forcing that down our throat, brother. Wow. And she, she created that special sauce of like, whatever it is you want in life, you say it's gonna happen. And like people would be like, oh yeah, I do that all the time. 
I say, I want to have this car. And like, you never, it happened. Yeah. I, I said, I wanted to be able to leave my job. It can happen in relationships too. If you, if, if you force it down uh, like someone's throat that we're going to figure this out right. no matter what, the human is an amazing species. They're going to figure it out. And so what I really heard from that was that you guys were taught at a, at a young age that manifestation came out of dealing with a, uh, with a potential problem or resistance, right? Mm -hmm. Like through this issue, through this problem, something awesome is going to come out of that. Exactly. And once you believe in that, it, I, I just think it's the beginning of the end of insecurity, you know? That's, that's amazing. I love that, dude, because I always say that the only reason why I win a lot is because I lose a lot. And I feel like losing is learning how to win. Mm -hmm. Like I've learned that the breakdown, the upset, the uppercut mm -hmm. is truly, it creates the path to a breakthrough. For sure. I don't like being in it. It hurts sometimes, but I've been through enough to know that Something awesome is about to happen. For sure. Every single time. Well, let me ask you something, brother, because I know that we've uh, had a different style of family past, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, like, what are some things about what you learned through your upbringing that you think have now become super weapons in your success? Man, I would say the biggest thing is how I talk to my kids. You know, there was um, some pretty... Um, personality shaping things that I was told as a child that led me down a path of destruction. So, you know, at five years old, when, um, you know, I told my mom something that my dad asked me not to tell my mom, and she was upset, and it caused them to split up. You know, he was at another girl's house. I couldn't lie to my mom. And he said, you know, look at what you did to your mom. You're a liar. You're a fink. You ruined everything. When you're five years old and somebody tells you that, that is very real. And I literally spent 20 years um, carrying that. And the thing I told myself was, I'm worthless. And it took me 20 years and it took me a lot of work and a lot of therapy and a lot of seminars to catch that aha that I labeled myself as a five-year-old, that I'm very, very conscious of the space that I create for my children. And I'm very cautious of the words that I say to them because I know that the, that the words I speak into them can shape them and it can also destroy them. And I'm just committed to creating a space of love and unlimited possibility no matter what they might do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, a lot of people hear my story and they feel like they can't relate mm. and it becomes challenging to be able to implement some of the ideologies because it's like when you're listening to somebody and you feel like they've had uh, an opportunity that you haven't, Yeah. something happens in your brain where you get like this muffling sound right. where like the message, while it can make so much sense, just feels like it's, it's not palatable for you because sure. you're like, yeah, but I didn't live that way. Right. right. So what interests me a lot about your past is you've had um, these, these occurrences where you've been verbally told things that have scarred you and right. challenged you, right? And so many people think that when that happens that you can't delete those, right? So like, and I know that you're a believer that you didn't delete them, you know? And right. we were speaking about this on the way here. Like, how, how would you advise somebody who has this deep pain from something that's family-related to be able to 
accept it and grow from it without feeling like it has to be removed from their mind? Well, I think it's all about perspective. You know, it, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. When my mom and I were left on the side of a freeway by my dad in Albuquerque, that gave my mom and I the opportunity to hold hands and walk through life together. So if my mom and I had to take one for the team and get out of the car and hitchhike and figure out what we're going to do to live, knowing what we gained by that and how tight my mom and I are, would I want to erase that? No. Of course not. Absolutely not. When I look at uh, becoming a father at 17 years old and my son Elijah's mother was 16 years old, I have two, two types of energies to hang out in. I could hang out in fear, worry, lack, doubt, or I could hang out in faith, love, trust. We have the opportunity to choose the vibe of our movie. Sure. But it's all about perspective. So I would encourage people to take a look at reality versus the story, number one. When something happens to you, when you take a look at just what actually happened versus the story. Because being left on the side of the road could mean I'm, I'm worthless, I'm not loved, or it could mean an opportunity to get some exercise an opportunity to bond, yes. whether with just my mom or what if I was alone? Mm -hmm. An opportunity to bond with God. So being very aware of reality and the story. Because like I always say, the ego is not your amigo. Yeah. And when we get in our own head and we make up this make-believe thing that's not even real. Mm -hmm. You know, like at 17, I'm going to have a kid. I said my life's over. And then I drew a line in the sand and I looked on the left what happened what happened is um, I got someone pregnant and I'm going to have a financial responsibility and I'm going to have a time responsibility that's it what's the story uh -huh. story is my life's over I'm never going to have fun uh -huh. ever again everybody's gonna think I'm a failure when you can draw that line in the sand between what happened and the story mm. You now have a blank canvas to create any story you want. Totally. But it's, you got to get real with it or else you're building a mansion on yeah, quicksand. It's, it's almost like we're each commentators play by play of our own game of life. For sure, dude. And we have the, the choice of how we go about uh, calling the shots, you know? 100%. And we can tell the story in a way that can make us feel like we're the victims. Absolutely. Or we can tell the story in a way that would motivate us to try and be great. 100%, you know? dude. And I, and I, you know, you hearing your story and, and spending some time with you today has made me realize how much you remind me of the, you know, of the angel of my mother, you know, and uh, the fact that you both had been through so much adversity and how you've gone about painting the picture of your life yeah. and using things that other people would use as excuses and you've used them as your motivation. I, I want you to know it's something that is unlimitedly refreshing for me to be a part of, you know? Thank you, brother. And, I, and, and, and you know, I know that, you know, uh, a lot of what we're doing here is trying to hear my side of the story, but as a family man, like, I, I, I gotta tip my hat off to you, brother. Thank like, you, bro. You, you're, you're, like, you're a huge example for that to a lot of people, too, you know? I appreciate that, man. Really appreciate it. And I, you know, it was, I was looking for who, who, where's the family at? And you guys and your crew, it's insane. You know, it's such a beautiful thing. And, I, and the, the word I think about in this discussion, too, is gratitude, 
right? We can be grateful about traffic. We can be grateful about someone passing. We can be grateful about the divorce. We can be grateful about the, the, the breakup. It's just a matter of choosing to be grateful. It's easy to be grateful for a sunny day mm -hmm. and a nice car, mm -hmm. but can you be grateful for a thunderstorm yeah. and negative three bucks in your bank account? Mm -hmm. When you can be grateful for all of it, I think that's where your energy is now aligned. You know, like they say, what's ego? Ego is edging God out. And then we show up to the world and we say, well, I need to have money. I need to have the car. I need to have all this stuff. Then I'll feel grateful. Well, the question is, can you still stay in that space when everything's gone? You know, it's so funny you say that. We were just having this conversation with the boys yesterday. Um, uh, one of our brothers, it was his birthday and he took his mom and dad out to the Americana down the street. Yeah. Uh, Monday, which is usually the slowest day. Right. Um, and um, it's not a holiday. And uh, he told me he's never seen the Americana so busy. Wow. And we were like, oh, geez, you know, I wonder why that is. And I thought to myself, well, I know why that is. Is because we have had a spell of some of the worst, worst weather sure. in L.A. Sure. So now all these people who took for granted how sunny and beautiful and amazing this place is, <laughs> that wouldn't have gone out on a Monday to go yeah. walk around a made-believe Venetian outdoor mall, right. right? All were like, dude, the weather is amazing. And it took just like a few months of some hardcore rain to make people realize that. Now, what does that tell you? Is that your life only becomes filled with more gratitude when you have challenge. You Woo. know, like we need rain. Yeah. You know, like, 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 you know, the, the idea that the, the best life is the one that involves the most amount of yachts and the least amount of work and all the luxuries. Like, I think that's an absolute curse. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I don't think that's an, a very arguable ideology. I, I think you have to sometimes study, study society to really get a better idea of as a, as a species, how we're designed to operate. And there's so much evidence that just points to the fact that your challenges are what make your life beautiful. Absolutely, man. Love so, that. So, dude. so amen to being a living, breathing example of that, bro. It's every day, mm -hmm. right? It's new levels, new devils. Like, I don't know about you, man, but I've, I've not reached the point ever where I wake up and I'm like, got this, got this down. <laughs> I got it. Fatherhood, running a business, my finances, uh -huh. my health. I figured it all I'm out. I'm good, man. No, never. I got it. And that's what this is really all about. You know, it's encouraging people to do the best today with what they've got. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of anxiety comes from, right, is when we don't do that, when we're so focused on the past or we're so stuck in the future, just be here right now. Totally, brother. It's awesome, man. Totally. What do you appreciate most about your family? And because we've talked about how we've almost had a little bit of opposites, right, with my upbringing and your upbringing. What do you appreciate the most about the upbringing you've had and your family? Well, I think the, the, the biggest thing I appreciate about my family is the gift of health that we have been given yeah. through a combination of just good fortune and behaviors that have allowed us to remain healthy this long. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we take for granted how fortunate you are just to be alive, you know? Come on now. So I would say that the, the fact that we've been able to be alive for this long and for us to be together and still be relatively healthy is the thing I appreciate the most about my family. Yeah. And I've seen how hard my mom and dad specifically have had to work to do that because uh, they've been challenged, you know, yeah. changing diets, reading new things, questioning medicine, 
questioning doctors, getting second opinions. Like my parents worked really hard to maintain their health. They didn't trust the first doctor they saw. Wow. You know, they didn't. That's interesting. Yeah, like they didn't resort to just being like, oh, it's convenient. I've been drinking Coke for a long time. Yeah. I remember there was this era where all of a sudden it was like, no more uh, uh, high fructose corn syrup in the house. So they're like, oh, why? What's going on? You know? It's like we're battling for our health. And like as a kid, you don't realize how important that is. But then when you get older and you see other people and, you know, uh, friends of yours and parents that are your age or younger and that, that, are, that like their lives have been plagued with battling disease. Wow. You know, like that's something that I think we very, very often take for granted is, you know, like health really is wealth. 100%, man. So that's the thing I appreciate the most about my family that like we're four people that, you know, without being absolute saints, you know, um, we have been able to maintain a certain combination of physical, mental and spiritual health. So that's number one. Um, and then number two is the fact that, uh, you know, my, my family has been okay with the idea of someone that's not the dad in the house yeah. taking the lead, uh, you know? Yeah. Because I've taken the lead in the family. And I don't mean in every single way, right. you know? But generally, my my mom, mom, my dad, and my sister have caught on to the fact that through some random set of occurrences, my brain works in a way where I can make some pretty decent decisions fast. That's awesome. And if they didn't trust me and they weren't willing to back me up, even when those decisions turned to be maybe ones that I could have made differently, and they still kept believing in me, like that's been my super fuel personally. And Love I can only it, speak dude. on behalf of myself. You yeah. Know? And I really, really appreciate that. And I know they're gonna watch this and my mom's probably gonna watch this once a day for sure. <laughs> um, and cry watching it because knowing that she raised a pretty cool kid. But yeah. um, that's, that's the two biggest things, our health and trust. Love that, man. So good. All right, brother. Two more questions. Two more questions. Give it to me. When you think about the legacy, when you visualize the e legacy, you've done so much already. Mm -hmm. What do you visualize the ultimate legacy like? I mean, what is it? What, what do you see when you think about the family legacy? You know... That's an easy question to answer, but a hard question to have to have recorded, yeah. you know, because I say this to myself a lot in the mirror and in small closed groups. <laughs> yeah. But for the record, it's one that's difficult to say just because of how, how faithful I am mm. and, how, um, and how gifted we are. Yeah. But I, I'm shooting to do my best to have our family be one of those that gets referenced forever as one of the best examples of how to run a family on this planet, you know? Love that, dude. Yeah. You're on track. <laughs> like, I don't feel like I have anything figured out, and if your family wrote a book, I'm gonna, and I have a hard time reading books, I can guarantee you I will read that book. I will be highlighting that thing because um, you guys have really done a beautiful thing. Thanks, brother. Yeah. And and we have, we have plans that are some are in planning phase and some are in execution phase of how we're gonna go about orchestrating a externalizing process of yeah. the things that we've been able to learn through each other and through, you know, through the capital G word, man, you know? Like we believe in God, so. And, and when, when we believe in a, a power that um, has gifted us with the ability to be able to exert ourselves the way we, the way we do as humans. And, you know, by no means do we believe that specifically we like the actual vessel of our bodies housing our spirit is the chosen one. It's the idea that humans have the ability to manifest themselves becoming ones that can be considered chosen. 
my man. You're a legend, dude. I gotta ask you this question too because uh, it's something that just came up as we're sitting here, and I think our listeners will really appreciate it. You've created this space here, right? The shock tank. Mm -hmm. And you have a group of people who are not only working here, but living here, and everybody is, it's working, financially it's working, you have multiple businesses working here. What do you think are some of the keys that you would recommend to other businesses that, I don't think this is how most dynamics are set up, mm -hmm. right? What do you think are, are what are some of the, those keys that you would offer to other businesses that would be interested in having a, a, a business and family experience like this? You know, it starts with the communication. Yeah. You know, um, you have to allow people to communicate in a way that's natural. And that involves at times um, your posture, mm. you know, like you might have to have a conversation laying down. Right. You know, and, and physically, we're such physical beings. You know, yeah. like when I went to my first Anthony Robbins seminar, I remember how much he emphasized the importance of posture. Right. Like one of the first things he does in the Unleash Your Power Within weekend is he goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to figure out what physical movements make us the most empowered. Right. Because an empowered person can solve all their problems. Yeah. Right. So he, he, he call, he, I think he calls it, you know, make your move. Yeah. So his move is like, you know, he's this giant six foot seven man with a just... He's pounding his chest like, oh, yelling. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. I'm pumped up, you know? Um, and I remember uh, really realizing, like, geez, like, physically, we're right. such physical beings, yeah. you know? Like, we, we give a lot of credit to our minds, but this thing needs to, you know, be yeah. able to move. Um, so I think, like, the communicating and allowing people to to communicate in a in a way that they are feel most open. Right. And like giving people an environment to do that, you know? Mm. And that's why I've always been one to really like pay a lot of attention to what an environment allows for the communication of a relationship, you know? Wow. Like for example, like me and George, you know, we do a lot of our communication through song, yeah. you know? So the second George moved in here, we went to Guitar Center and we bought <laughs> microphones and, and amps because yeah. I knew that we were going to be able to take this relationship farther if we were to focus on how we communicate. That's incredible. You know? So f creating these very well orchestrated and, and liquid, fluid formats for communication I think is really important, you know? Like, you know, this conference room sitting down, you know, being like, I, I don't understand why we're having problems with our employees, you know? What do you mean? We wrote a step-by-step -step manual of how you're supposed to operate and what to do when, and we sat down in the conference yeah. room and there was a projector screen and everyone signed off that they yeah. read it and we did a whole class. <laughs> like, like well, not? maybe the communication system is antiquated. Right. Maybe you were supposed to have that conversation at Coachella. Yeah. Like we do every year, 20, yeah. 30 of us, it's like, all of our team members have all gone and stayed at a camp together. For, right. I'm talking about a new like front desk receptionist. Like, hey, by the <laughs> way, we're closing our doors in two weeks because we're all going to the desert. And you experiment with different ways of communicating. You know, like, I think that's just the key is like, don't don't limit yourself to how you can communicate. Try all these different ways. That's awesome, man. That's huge. Yesterday we did our uh, quarter two team meeting and our team has been expanding again. You know, we closed our doors for uh, new agents for two years and we just opened them up a month ago and we had seven new people on our team just over the last 30 days and I, we had our team meeting and it was, you know, normally it's at a 
country club somewhere or or the office because I love our office. But I'm like, you know what? This is really about family. What better way to have this big meeting by than bringing everybody into our living room? And wifey was open to it. It was such a cool feeling having everybody inside our home. For sure. There's no better way that I could help them see like what this is really all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, you're talking to a guy that is very anti-institutionalized anything. You know? Clearly. You know, so... So communicate the way your team members will feel the most comfortable, whether that's laying down or getting behind a mic, freestyling it, getting a guitar. I would I would love to see the, the type of uh, team dynamic you guys have with the music on. And, uh, and it's, it's constant. <laughs> it's constant. You know, like, like I don't... Like, I don't wait until the next meeting to express myself, and no one here does. Yeah, Allowing people to feel so free that if they really wanna say something, that they have a chance to say it, is what creates family-style business. Come on now, love that, dude. You know? Love that, like, I don't man. do emails, I don't have an email. Yeah, like, that's beautiful. It's like, why I would I- have an email, I just don't check it. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I'm exactly, I have an email, I don't check it. It's, it's like, okay, everyone's emailing, right? And I'm right. like, well, that doesn't mean I have to email. Yeah. You know, so I don't email people my feelings. Right. I call them, I FaceTime them because I have that availability. Yeah. And it's like, you know, um, if you could FaceTime, why would you call? Right. If you can call, why would you text? Right. It's amazing, dude. It's just a connection. Mm-hmm. And if you can speak to someone in person, then, what, then, then, then why would you FaceTime? It, it's, you just got to have balls in life, man. Yeah. You know, because one of the scariest things to deal with in life is having a conversation with someone eye to eye. And the more you avoid that, the less you become good at doing that. And then if you can't have conversations, you're screwed. 100%. It's, it's you know, yeah. it's, 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 if, if you look at all the species on earth, yeah. what is it about humans that makes us so super? It's not physical. Yeah. It's, it's the ability of us being able to create these multitudes of lexicons of languages, all these different ways of enunciating things. Like this is what makes us cool, right. you know? Yeah, I lit, I went to you know when I saw that your your grandma had passed, I was so I felt like I knew her even though I never met her in person. I felt so connected to her through your Insta stories that I dropped everything that I was doing and I drove out from Newport Beach to Glendale in the middle of the workday because I had to be there. Mm-hmm. And I listened to your speech, your your talk that you gave about her, and I only understood fifty percent of it because you were speaking in the, the the way you would describe what she would say, you spoke it in your language. Uh-huh. And I felt every single word of it. Like I was right there. Yeah. I was on the edge of my seat, yeah. man. I remember how happy I was when I saw you at the, <laughs> in, in the back of that church, by the way, brother. It was amazing, dude. And p- probably one of the most impressive gestures and one of the ones that I will always hold so near and dear about our relationship. I had bro. to be there. Family, bro. Mm-hmm. What are your three affirmations about family? Affirmation number one is always the appreciation affirmation. Yeah. You know, so thank you for having, you know, the sperm that was in my father's reproductive (laughs) organs be the one that decided to make it into my mother. And then like, that's, that's number one, you know, and and yeah, exactly. And I have, I have a pretty interesting poem I've written about that, but that's for a different podcast. (laughs) Uh, um, Always first is the idea that life is not a guarantee and the fact that you're rewarded with life which yeah. is a miracle in itself you know when you look at it um statistically the the idea of birth as a human is so rare when it comes to like cosmically that it's a miracle worth celebrating and then 
you're not only a human, but you're born in a, in, a, in a place where you can actually experience things that can make you a fruitful human. Come on now. So number one, I'm, I'm just thankful for the fact that you know, I have my family and that I was born, and that's number one. Number two is um, reminding myself that uh, I have everything in my, I have everything it takes to be able to make my uh, family's lives better. Beautiful. Love that. You know, and then believing that. Yeah. Believing that you as a person have the ability to be able to make the lives of your family members better. Damn, that's know? awesome. And having that be a fuel to your fire. And then finally, remembering that when it's all said and done, that all that will be left are stories of how you thought, how you spoke, and how you walked. Mm. So um, to always uh, appreciate the fact that you are being watched. Yeah. And, and if you weren't, you'd be in trouble. And if there's ever a point in your time that you decided to believe that you're not being watched and that you're the only one perceiving your life, yeah. then you know it may be fun for a short period of time, but eventually that's gonna be a big problem because we rise to the occasion. Yeah. That's what our species does. Right. And you have to feel like it's all eyes on you. you know. And the fact that uh, my family has been able to teach me that and have that be what drives me to be the greatest man I could possibly be, like those are three of the things I remind myself every day anytime I feel like life sucks. Whoo! Chef Michael K, ladies and gentlemen, Project Mindset. You killed it, dude. Thank you. Thank you for who you are in my life. Thank you to who your family is on the planet and the example you guys have set. And thank you for taking the time out of your very insane schedule. My pleasure, brother. Thanks, brother. You got it. Yeah. Woo! We did it. I told you guys. That was truly one of my favorite interviews. Just so you guys know, that whole day, um, we went in and we we had an opportunity to go through a couple of the different uh, HQs that uh, Michael spends his life. We obviously got to go to the home base and meet uh, Mary, his, his mom, who is such a beautiful human being. We got to hang out with Mary and, and hear her story. Um, and, and just the, the, the love that she has poured into her kids. It's not hard to see why Michael and Noni have, have grown up the way they are. Uh, it was really a beautiful thing, me to Mary, and, and hanging out with her. And then getting to go to the Vertigo HQ and the new HQ, the compound, where Michael's doing his, his mood event and where they're really just running their whole operation. It was a beautiful day. As always, I'd like you guys to think about what are your family affirmations? What's an affirmation? An affirmation is whatever you tell yourself. So what are you telling yourself about your family goals? I really want to encourage you guys to come up with some inspiring affirmations around the equity of family. Think about what your goals are with your family. Put an I am in front of that. And watch that come to life. It's real. It works. And also, guys, make sure you go to the website, projectmindset.co. We've, we've got all kinds of really cool free downloads that you could use to write your affirmations, keep the seven equities on top of your mind, and also sign up for the newsletter. Stay focused. Stay inspired. I can't wait for you guys to hear the next episode where we do the second edition of The Family Equity with Pastor Joe Fernandez. You guys are going to love that. Stay focused. Stay inspired. I'll talk to you guys soon.